Good morning. Welcome to UVU Today, a morning news podcast by students for students. I'm Ethan Morris, and with me today are Kennedy, Matthew, and Daniel. Talk about our favorite sports. It's Tuesday, April 20th. Happy 420 for those who recognize us as a holiday. And how are you guys? I'm good. I loved that intro. I forgot that it's 420. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, Ethan. Once again, thanks for having me on. Um, I hope everyone's doing good. I got my vaccine. And um, yeah. Oh, good. You know, the seasonal allergy is kicking in. It's pain in the butt. Never, never good time to go through those feels. Uh, getting my second vaccine shot this week on Thursday. So excited for that. And finally, be one step closer to finishing off this pandemic. Amen. Good. All right. So my reasoning for wanting to do this episode today, we're going to talk, we're going to talk soccer and we're going to talk basketball. We're talking basketball because I like basketball and I know Kennedy does too, but mostly we're, I wanted to talk soccer because um, I follow Daniel on Twitter and it, it just seems like stuff is going crazy in soccer world. So I thought Daniel and Matthew, can you guys explain what's going on with uh, international soccer these days? Well, this is mainly happening in Europe, but it's going to affect, well, it's going to affect European soccer, but European soccer is like the top tier. So it's, it's probably going to end up like affecting almost, or maybe almost everything else. But basically yesterday, so like some of the biggest soccer clubs in Europe, like um, the Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, 12 of them, basically they're, they're, they're like creating this new league called the European Super League. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if, if anyone watching really understands soccer, but with soccer, normally you have your domestic, in, with European soccer, you know, you have your domestic leagues. So England, they have their domestic league, you know, Germany, um, like countries in Europe, you have your domestic leagues, within, and then you have the European competition, which is called the Champions League, which is usually where the, the, the best teams in, around Europe play in. But then this new competition basically is supposed to erase the Champions League. It's not necessarily well. I guess it, it's. I guess it is the clubs, but it's it's mainly like the owners of these clubs, these billionaire owners of these clubs who are trying to basically like um almost Americanize the sport. You know, the, the, the European soccer fans are really pushing against it. I mean, in a summary, that that's that's what's happening. People have their different opinions on whether or not this will be good for the game generally. I, I don't think it will be. I don't think it's good. I think I think this is just a ploy by these billionaire owners to make more money. I think they, they, you know, they want to create a new competition where it can almost like go against the, the governing bodies, go against FIFA, go against UEFA, and basically stockpile their pockets. That I mean that that's what I think. That's what, you know, if you understand what's going on, I, I think more this is what most people think. And this is exactly why I think, you know, I, I don't think there's any good in this for soccer in general i just think this this is you know a, a situation where you have billionaire owners some russian some american some english just billionaire owners who just want to monopolize the sports basically part of the beauty of soccer is that it's it's open for all and you know the underdog could beat the you know could come into a competition and beat the favorites you know it's it's a game where underdogs where everyone gets an opportunity and this this format basically erases that. It means smaller clubs don't get opportunity. It means the bigger teams basically get to cut their cake and have it, or however you say that 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 saying. Basically, it, it takes away opportunities, takes away the joy of the game. Basically, it, uh, I mean, Ethan follows me on Twitter. I've been tweeting about this nonstop since like yesterday. 
this cannot be allowed to happen. I'll go ahead and try and dumb down this entire complicated issue. Uh, Daniel did a very good job of explaining the emotional aspects, the basically the reaction to the grand majority by fans of soccer and those who understand the European game, uh, the competition-wise, right? With players, the coaches, and winning the trophies. Well, number one thing that we have to remember is sport is a business. Uh, no matter how good it is, no matter how, like the glory and the good feels that we get from these different stories, in the end, it is a business. That's why you have ownerships. That's why you have different owners. There's shares and everything. There's money tied to every single action taken by a team or organization or club. It is organized, right? Like Daniel said, um, think of it kind of like how our federal government is. We have our federal government, the national government. Then we have our state government. We have our county government. And then we have our city government. An example to show how this goes is, let's say we take our local team, Real Salt Lake, which is a team, right? Their own individual thing. They are part of Major League Soccer. Uh, which is a league that is tied to the United States Soccer Federation, which is over all the leagues within the United States, which is tied to CONCACAF, which goes over all of Central America, North America, for all the soccer leagues there and national teams, which then responds to FIFA. Now, what these organizations are in charge of doing is basically redistributing money and investments to different leagues and teams to help them develop. I UEFA, right, the European governing body, is the one who put, produces the Champions League. Uh, they will take all the revenue that is generated from the TV deals, from the advertising, all of the venues. The, basically, they take all of the profit that is made and then distribute 92% of it back to all of the leagues, all of the soccer federations in each of the countries to teams and to academies to help develop and promote the game all throughout Europe. Now, here's where the conflict begins with the Super League. You have the 12 teams, right? Three from Italy, three from Spain, and six from England, uh, who are basically these super giant teams. Um, think of them as the Tom Brady's of European soccer. They're really good. They have a lot of money. And there's a lot of people who hate them and a lot of people who love them regardless, right? Uh, they just don't seem to go away no matter what. These teams go and they generate a lot of the revenue. The reason why people tune in to watch the Champions League is because, think about it, you've heard of Real Madrid and Barcelona, but have you ever heard of SC Prague? Have you ever heard of Porto, of Leipzig, right? You've never heard of these other teams before because they're not that big and you're not from Europe. So of course, you're not going to tune into a game between Burnley and let's say Southampton because you don't know the players, you don't know the team, and there's really no interest of watching a mediocre game. You want to watch the elite. Uh, what these owners have done basically is promoted a super league uh, where it would be 20 of the best, richest clubs basically would be in their own Champions League sort of tournament where they would compete in their own countries as usual, but then also compete in this separate tournament. And that would generate a lot of TV revenue and like deals and advertising, and it would pit the best against the best. And that's what everyone wants to watch. But like Daniel said, the beauty about soccer or football, depending on where you're at, is that there's, a there's always the chance for the underdog. To show this, out of the 12 teams that are part of this, only three of them are in the semifinals. And only seven of them actually qualified for the Champions League this year. 
so there's always a chance for these big clubs to miss out and to be outplayed by someone else. That kind of explains it. Uh, there's been a few other things that I've heard of that they want to do it as like a step above the Champions League and others saying that they just want to separate completely and be kind of a closed system, kind of like how the NBA is, where they'll take the revenue and then they distribute it amongst all of the teams, if that makes any sense. It's a very complicated economic issue. It has nothing to do with player development or like team spirit or supporters. It's the owners trying to establish a, like Daniel said, a monopoly sort of money grab, I guess you could say. So like you're saying, if you, if you were to explain this to someone who loves sports, but watches basketball majority of the time, not like that's me or anything, but <laughs> um, that like, that would be like the Lakers, the Nets, the Knicks, all going into like their own little league, basically like all of the big money market teams. Like, is basically. that what you're saying? Yeah, basically. So just imagine like the biggest basketball teams, like creating this new competition and generating all this money and making making the competition a close competition. So none of the other smaller teams really can get an opportunity to, to um, get into this new competition. I can imagine how irritated that would make small market team fans, because like as a small market team fan, <laughs> that would really be irritating because like, I don't know, Ethan, you can probably agree. Like, it's so dope to see the Jazz being number one in the NBA right now. But, like, that wouldn't be the case. Well, prob- they probably would still be number one if all of the... They would be if all the super teams left. But, like, if the super teams left, like, it just wouldn't be as valid, I guess. If Yeah, and it, it seems to me it's like... I mean, on the one hand, if the NBA was just looking for money, then they'd play a lot more Nets and Lakers games. Like, those are going to draw crowds and stuff or Warriors, however you want to put it. But and then if for those teams to leave, that's almost like you're just because you get left behind, you're therefore alone. It's like the G League. It's like reestablishing a second G League of teams that aren't, you know, that these super teams that want to form up. So what have have any players spoken out about how they feel about this? Because I think I, I have to assume they've got strong positions one way or the other. But what have they said? Well, a few players have said something it's because the, the news actually broke out last night. So it broke out like 1030, but like in Europe, European time, you know, which is like, well, maybe like four, three over here. So um, it broke out pretty late there. So people didn't really start speaking out until today. But yeah, a couple players have come have come out, have spoken out against it. But the thing is, you know, these players play for these clubs that are owned i don't know how to explain this it's not easy basically for these players for the players of the clubs to come out and speak out against their owners you know so as much as they may want you know like other players have spoken out you know players who aren't players who play for some of the other smaller teams or some of the other teams that aren't involved and they've come out and they've said their piece they've made their their opinions heard and known but you know if you're a player for if you're a player from, from manchester united for example man united are one of the the clubs involved in this you're earning a lot of money yes you want to come out and speak out against it but you know it's a bit difficult coming out and speaking out against your employer speaking out against the owners of your of your club you know so in as much as you might want to say something i guess you can make like subtle references you know a few players have made subtle references in fact one player in particular bruno fernandez i don't know if anyone's ever heard about him 
but he has, you know, some of them, him included, they've made subtle references, you know, on social media, like on Instagram stories and Twitter, like condemning it. But, you know, it's going to be hard to come out and, and say something substantial, substantiative against your employers, against your owners. So I just think, you know, for players who play for these clubs, it's a bit tricky. And, you know, as as Matthew was saying, you know, this isn't like these people don't care about the game. They don't care about the fans. You know, all they care about is is, is their pockets. You know, as I said before, football, part of the beauty of the game is that everyone gets a chance, which means it doesn't really matter how big a club you are. If you're not good enough on the field, on the pitch, and you get beaten by a smaller club, then, you know, the smaller club, they, they get the chance because they, you know, because they beat you. But then these owners of these big clubs almost feel like they have a, a divine right to all the money, to all the, the glory, to all the to everything, basically. The owner. These people are sinning against the game, basically. This cannot be allowed to happen. You know, it's, I'm sorry, I, I'm ranting now. I'm just going off on a rant and I apologize. It shows that you're passionate about it. We appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, no, this, like UEFA and FIFA, for example, they came out today and um, they they condemned the Super League and they want to like impose punishment and restriction. I don't know how all that's going to work. It's not going to be easy, though. It's not. From everything I've seen, I think the Super League might go through. And if it does, I mean, it's going to break my heart. It's going to break a lot of hearts. I think it's possible to stop it, but I just don't know how. I think I think governments are going to have to get involved. The UK Prime Minister came out today and said he was going to try and do everything he could. I mean, he's I mean, you know, he's a UK Prime Minister. I don't know how he's going to like affect football and soccer. I don't know how, but he did come out today and say he was going to try and do everything in his power to ensure it didn't happen. I, I don't know. If you're not if you're not a soccer fan, then you probably don't realize how big a thing this actually is. You know, it's a lot bigger than, than I'm explaining. I, I don't I don't think I even do it justice. No, we love to hear it. Matthew, what are you thinking? And I want to know also as a fan, how do you feel about it? Here's the interesting thing. Here's some background information to why this is also such a big impact amongst the professionals and the pundits who have been covering this sort of thing for so long. Over the weekend, right? Like for the past like two months, they've been in talks to improving the Champions League. Because these big clubs have been saying, we generate so much revenue and we're not getting enough back, right? Because of the pandemic, a lot of these teams are in a lot of debt. Uh, Barcelona is in a billion dollars of debt because they started buying some players before the pandemic hit. And before they could start paying off all the loans and everything, the pandemic came and it totally destroyed the revenue of people coming to the games. And the games were canceled and postponed. And it really threw everyone for a loop. They were in talks. They were about to finalize everything. And basically, the president of the organization that's basically uh, negotiating all of this is also the president of Juventus. He basically walked out and quit the European club uh, like representative spot that he was in to go and support the Super League right when they were like about to finalize the deal. So that's kind of a slap in the face of UEFA. Think about it this way. You've been talking and talking and for so long negotiating to get like an equal deal. And right when you're about to finalize it, the other person walks out and cheats on you and goes with someone else. Uh, UEFA and all the other soccer federations in Europe have come out and condemned the action. Uh, UEFA actually said that they would take every action, judicial and sporting, to stop it. So there's going to be a lot of of lawsuits. There's going to be a lot of lawyers. Uh, We're going to see that in the news plot. They have suggested that they're going to ban the players that are on these teams in the Super League from being able to compete for their national teams in the World Cup. Kind of like what the NHL did with the Olympics, but vice versa. The NHL prohibited any of their players from going to the Winter Olympics in 2018. 
it's a very complicated issue and it's only just begun. We don't know everything yet as to like exactly why they why they're doing it or if it'll die off or is this just a grab for attention? Only time will tell. Me as a fan, honestly, it's very it's very destructive. Um, if you think about it this way, uh, with kids growing up, like with me, there's a lot of the next world stars that are our age. They have grown up watching soccer their entire lives and watching these teams win these tournaments, uh, especially like the Champions League. And it's every little kid's dream, that's a soccer fan, to play for a professional team and to win something, or at least to see their their club, their team win something, right? Much like you guys want to see the Jazz win the NBA title during your lifetime, right? It would be amazing. But then to see that your team is just kind of cheating away and going, yeah, we don't want to be a part of that anymore. Right when it gets the chance where it's like, you could see this and remember it for the rest of your life, or you could be a part of it. It's very heartbreaking. And it seems like it's traitors of the game and traitors to the heart and passion of what it really means. Um, I think, I think Matt's what, I think you already encapsulated my thoughts. This is war, basically. These guys aren't backing down, and, and, you know, and neither are we. You know, um, authorities, fans, governments, we're going to have to hit them with every legal challenge possible. And if we lose, then we go down fighting. That's, yeah, that's my piece. Well, that's, there's a lot going on, and I'm interested to see where, I mean, ultimately, I want the best for, I like the underdog story, so I want the best for everyone. But we'll, we'll keep you all covered on that. All right, switching gears, changing playbooks. Kennedy, what has you interested with the NBA right now? Oh boy. Um, I think something recently that has me kind of interested is just the amount of injuries in the NBA and Donovan Mitchell being one of them, which sucks really bad (laughs) for the Jazz. Um, But I think just, I was reading about just how like the percentage of injuries has gone up like a ton and the amount of um, players that are having to rest more just because of the condensed season um, and what that means for like the future careers of these players um, just because they're playing so many back-to-backs right now. Yeah, it's been pretty brutal. And I, I was looking at a chart kind of to see like, well, is this more than usual, less than usual, but it, it seems like it's already on pace to be one of the most difficult years for players. And yeah, that that affects a lot. So it's been a lot of people saying, you know, kind of their, their thoughts and what they think is best, but I don't know. I, I think that obviously they chose what they did to, you know, make, make the money that they lost. And you can understand that side of things, but at the same time, it's hard on those players. All right. I want to go into now first, let's talk about the jazz. We're jazz fans. And then I want to get your, your season rankings. And I want to hear like your, your main choice, like, you know, who you think is going to win it, but then like a, a dark horse candidate that you think would be interesting if they won that award. But mm-hmm. let's talk jazz. You brought up Donovan is injured. I hate to see anyone get injured, honestly, but we, I guess we can be grateful. It seems like he'll be back for the playoffs, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, that was, yeah. My mom texted me. I was at work when he got injured and my mom texted me and was like, you'll never guess who just got like helped off the floor. And I was like, no. And part of it was because I got so pumped when um, I heard that Dwayne Wade bought into the jazz, like seriously, like the day before this all happened. <laughs> and cause I was like, this is so dope for Donovan. This is so dope for Jordan Clarkson. Like this, like next level moment. So I was super pumped at that point, but then 
Um, then for Donovan to go down, I was like, no, like, of course this happens right now. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. The timing was rough, but that is super, I blew past that, but that's super exciting about Dwayne Wade. Like, I think he's a pretty stellar guy. I think it's going to be good for Utah. And I think it's good for, so I think it's going to be good for Utah, the community. And I think it's going to be good for players. Like I think the last player that chose to come here was Bogdanovich. And I'm, I'm totally glad he's here. Mine favors. He likes it here. But I think it'll be good to see hopefully more players choosing to come here. And I think we're starting to see that. Clarkson chose to extend. Rudy Donovan chose to extend. Um, so I think, you know, hopefully Conley extends. But I think we've yeah. got good things going. Yeah. And especially like just seeing the Jazz spending as much money as they are. Like that's different than we've seen in the past that the Jazz are spending money. And so that's been that's been fun to see a little bit. Just a little bit more, um, they're spending money, more money on players and stuff like that. So, all right, let's talk awards. First, I want to know who is your MVP of the season? Oh boy. I don't want it to be Embiid. <laughs> is it like, okay for me to say anyone but Embiid? Like <laughs> you have to give a reasoning, but I guess you can say whatever you want. Um, Honestly, like I am not a fan of the Sixers in the slightest. And I like I think it's like hard to find um, a jazz fan that is. I don't know. I feel like there's like a low key um, rivalry there. But oh, absolutely. I, like it's it's not like a like a high on the list rivalry, but like there's like there's some beef. There's some beef there. Um, I would say Jokic on the Nuggets. I think he deserves he deserves an MVP this year, especially what, after what he's done to the Jazz a couple times this year. Yeah, he's he's incredible. Who's your? Do you have a dark horse candidate for MVP? Um, I think it's been interesting. I'm a huge Damian Lillard fan, but it's been interesting to see how many of his fans like are like petitioning for this. Like, and and you just hear his name, like that. It's like, why isn't he in the conversation? Why isn't he in the conversation? And I'm like, wait, why isn't he in the conversation? So I think like, if there is going to be someone that I'm like, Oh, it probably will be him. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that because just because of how he plays, like he could like last season have a couple 60 point a night games. I totally wouldn't be surprised if he does that a couple of times and moves up in that conversation. Um, yeah, I think, I think Jokic is pretty clear to win MVP. Uh, I'd agree with you on that one. I think Steph will probably come back into the conversation pretty heavily towards the end of the season. Um, I think I wouldn't be shocked if they, I mean, they're going to make at least the play in tournament. And I think to, to pull your team up from, I think they were literally last in the league last year. So um, that's pretty, I guess, telling of how good of a player he is. That'd be yeah. my vote. But do you think, okay, wait, I have to ask you, do you think Steph stays? I don't know what his contract looks like. I haven't looked into it, but do you think when Steph gets a way out, do you think he stays? I think he stays because he, he and his wife have like put down community roots there. I don't know, but I guess LeBron did the same thing in Cleveland. So now I'm, I'm questioning myself now, but I think I'd vote he stays overall. It's so funny. My friends are like, the moment he can leave, he's headed to the Nets. And I'm like, you're ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I, like <laughs> but I mean, you never know. LeBron, LeBron did it. You're right. He did. Yeah. But I don't know. I think like if, if he didn't have Clay coming back, I'd see that being a legitimate concern. And maybe after a year or two with Clay, he, he does decide, but I think he's staying where he is for now. So 
all right, I'm going to tell you my defensive player of the year. Um, obviously, it's Rudy Gobert. And the, I think part of the beef with the 76ers is you've got like, there was the whole rookie of the year situation where Donovan okay. should have got it, Ben Simmons got it, and now Ben Simmons is petitioning for defensive player of the year. And people are like, well, what are you expecting to say when he gets asked? Like, he's not getting asked. He's going out and saying, I'm defensive player of the year because I can guard all five spots. I'm like, I can guard all five spots. That doesn't mean I do a good job. Like, yeah, I'm going to get twenty points dropped on me, but and that's what's <laughs> happening. So, um, yeah, Rudy Gobert. But my my dark horse candidate is Lou Dort on OKC. He okay. is so fun to watch, and he just puts so much passion into his defense, and he's really freaking good. So he's my dark horse candidate, but like it's Rudy's award. I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's Rudy's too. I think he goes, he goes further, but I don't know. He, he's had a couple, a couple games that I've been like, do you know what sport you're playing? I love him with all my heart. Like I love Rudy, but like there was one game that I was like, what the, it was, um, the wizards game. He mm. last Monday, he just let the, like the wizard center. I don't even know who he is. Just like walk all over him. But it was pretty bad. He had like, yeah. I think the I think the center had like forty points that night because Rudy was just oh. like not there. <laughs> yeah, that that should not be a thing. It is interesting how much of an effort it is. Like, if he wants to be like the defensive god on the court, he is. And like yeah. last season, didn't get it. Had issues, you know, was having issues with the team. Didn't put the effort in this year. All that seems settled, and it's just it's crazy. So we're not going to have this six man of the year competition. It's Jordan Clarkson. No one is even. Um. Close. If anyone even says otherwise, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, dark horse candidate doesn't matter. So, um, no. rookie of the year. My thoughts. So, like when Lamelo Ball got hurt, I was like, "All right, that that sucks. It's going to be Anthony Edwards." Lamelo's coming back. Like he's already, he's his his arms better. So what? after this crazy quick turnaround time, I think he's going to be playing in like the next two weeks. So now I think it's an even field between him and Anthony Edwards. Um, like I, I like Lamelo just because culturally he made the Hornets fun to watch. Like that has never been the case. I don't think ever. And now, like they're legitimately fun to watch. They get an answer. So and he's playing really good. So I'd say my first pick still going to be Lamelo, but my dark horse is going to be uh, Tyrese Halliburton on Sacramento Kings. He just there. seems like he knows what he's doing. And like yeah, they the team sucks, and I'm I'm a Sacramento fan, but. And it, it hurts sometimes, but you know, he seems like he knows what he's doing. Uh, he, yeah. Playing good. Wait. He kind of be my, my dark horse. Why are you a Sacramento fan? Well, I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm overall a jazz fan, but when I started like getting into caring about basketball, Darren Fox was really fun to watch and he's left-handed he's- and that meant a lot to me. So I started watching because of him. And I was like, Hey, well I'm a fan now. And I didn't feel bad because they were a bad team. Cause you know, you don't want to be like, Oh Yeah. I'm a fan of the super great team. Like I'm, this is my first year being a fan of the Nets. Like, of course it is. But yeah, so that's, that's why I like Sacramento, even though it, it hurts. Fox is fun to watch though. He's yeah, he's, he's fun. Um, oh. Coach of the year predictions. This one's hard. Honestly, there's a lot of really good coaches. Like I don't want to say Quinn because of the jazz. And I think that's a good argument too. Um, so I wouldn't be against that, but I think lately Frank Vogel has made a good case because with LeBron and AD out there, are they like seven and nine? Like I wouldn't have expected that. And yeah. so I think 
I think they're still the number one defense too. So I think that's some pretty good coaching. Yeah, I, I think it's between those two, but there's a lot of, I mean, the Knicks have broken their years long streak of not winning more than five games in a row. Like I'm sure that's got to be due to some competent coaching. So I don't know. There's a lot of cases for it. Uh, you're right. This one's always an interesting award. Who do you think is the most improved player of the year? Um, I'm going to have to go with probably he was like the beginning of the season. He he like started playing really well, but Julius Randall on mm. the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good, cause I hate when they, if they talk about someone who's like their second or third year, like obviously they're going to get way better, but I like it's second, third year. Yeah. But no, I think that's a good, I think that's a great case for it. I'm trying to think. Who what else. Is, it? is it his sixth year? Fifth, sixth? I don't know about that one. I think that's a really good fit. The other one that I would consider, I think is Christian Wood. Cause, mm. and part of it is usage. Like if, you know, he, he went to a team where he's, I mean, especially now with, how the Rockets all fell apart. Like he's getting a lot of a lot more playing time and minutes and stuff. But like, I, I genuinely think he's a really good player and I think he's improved. So yeah. And it's, it, it'll be good to see how it all shakes out. Who, who do you think is going to make it to the finals? And then again, who's your, who would you like to make the finals? Well, I would love for the jazz to make it to the finals. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy <laughs> or not say that um oh boy honestly i had a really interesting conversation with a co-worker a couple days ago um just because i've always kind of made the nets the shoe in on in the east um mm -hmm. of course it, they would have to get through the sixers um but i've kind of just like shoot them in but it was interesting like he was like how do they expect to like sit their three best players that are all sort of ball hogs like, and to just sit them and then expect it just to kind of magically work together once the playoffs hit that just like all of a sudden they click and like it works. And I was like, oh, you're right. Like, they're not going to be able to just like, unless they start, unless they're like doing so much in practice and like, they're like really making it click. But until you're on the court with someone, you're not going to be able to figure out like the best way like for you to play. And so like, that was an interesting thing from him. So but where I think that the Sixers are more of like a team-based unit where the Nets have like three stars, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, and they have the advantage of Doc Rivers. I mean, uh, nothing against Steve Nash, but, you know, Doc Rivers has proven himself as a coach, and that's, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like go with it, and I'm going to say the Sixers. Mm -hmm. um, and in the West, okay, I would love the Jazz obviously but do you know how also how cool it would be to see phoenix like that would be like low-key really dope too so like i that don't like phoenix <laughs> i'm not saying it wouldn't be cool well i guess no i like a lot of phoenix i don't like devin booker so it would be cool i guess i'll yeah. just not watch when he's on the court <laughs> <laughs> so like the whole game <laughs> yeah basically. No, that'd be cool for chris paul though and honestly if anyone can do it it would be chris paul mm -hmm. but i I would say like realistically, I don't know. The West has always been so close and it will always be so close. And with the play in tournament, it's a whole nother game. Like it just, I don't, I, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to stop the Lakers. They're, they're a great team. They're dominant. Um, and you know, I hadn't really considered that about the Nets. I, I still think I would have put the Sixers over them because just of the, the defense that they do have. 
Uh, no defensive players of the year by any means, but they're all right. No, a Jazz Sixers matchup would be pretty fun. Um, oh, that'd be like that be. <laughs> eternal bragging rights. But. The chippiest, like seriously, like there's beef there. It's not really like spoken beef, but like it would get chippy. It would get chippy. I, I'd have to assume that like Joe Ingles somehow would cause, be at the center of it all, even though he's not at all. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think like I would love for the Mavericks to do really well. I just don't think they, like Luca's awesome. And so he's just like, I, yeah, it's fun to, to watch that. But I think they've got a few years to develop before they're, I guess, ready for that kind of thing. Denver, I would have said until Jamal Murray got hurt. So I don't know. I don't think the Jazz have an unrealistic chance. It just depends on how everything falls. But um, the Celtics are one that I think would be interesting to see how far they go because it seems like they haven't been all together most of the season. Like Marcus Smart was out several games and now, you know, Kemba's always in and out. So to have everyone back on that team I think would be interesting. We'll see how like Jabari Parker plays, but I don't know. That'd be one where I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe if everything falls right, they do all right. So. Yeah, that is an interesting one. That and then of course like the Heat, like they always like they they don't get talked about a ton unless they're in the finals apparently. <laughs> but yeah. I thought like they could come back and and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, why did we forget about Miami? <laughs> yeah, Jimmy can will his team to the finals again. <laughs> would not put it past them. Well. I don't know if we gave a specific answer, but I think that's how you're supposed to do it in sports talk. So you just walk around it. <laughs> yeah. Kennedy, thank you for joining me and hope you learned a little bit about soccer. I did too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and just like that, that is the end of our episode. Everyone have a great day. Follow us wherever you're listening and subscribe to give us some stars and have a great day. Bye.